Let's get out of the way right off the top. Heckard, yeah, BYU lands FCS All-American Eddie Heckard via the transfer portal and Weber State. Is he BYU's number one cornerback the second he shows up in Provo, which he already has? We'll talk about that, and we'll also get ready for the weekend ahead in all things BYU. Our Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsors over at Bet Online. Bet Online has got you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thanks for taking some time to join us right here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. BYU and Heckard, yeah, BYU lands Eddie Heckard via the transfer portal. And uh, just as soon as I feel like I dropped that podcast yesterday, uh, the news changed. And Robbie McCombs from Vanquish the Vote, to his credit, reached out to Eddie Heckard. And Heckard uh, told him he had actually enrolled at BYU. So he was already in school going through workouts with the team ostensibly. And officially the announcement came yesterday evening that Eddie Heckard is the newest member of the BYU football program. I think this is a big pickup for the BYU. Cougars because he immediately in my mind is BYU's number one cornerback and that's nothing against a guy like Jacob Robinson who had a really really good bowl game had a pretty good strong good and strong close to the season losing guys like Gabe Judy Lowley uh, D'Angelo Mandel uh, Caleb Hayes etc obviously left a massive hole in BYU secondary particularly out there at corner and to replace that with a three time all big sky conference honoree as well as an FCS All-American in Eddie Heckard you couldn't do much better than that, I feel like, in many ways. I know that uh, people out there, I think uh, Denny, uh, I, I, I know you listen to the podcast, you said, what makes him so good? If he, if he was that good, wouldn't he be playing at the FBS level or some such? That's nonsense to me. The thing about Taron Johnson from Weber State has been playing in the NFL, it feels like, for a decade at this point. FCS players, you can find... NFL talent at every level of football. It happens at the NAIA, Division Three, Division Two, FCS, and obviously the FBS level every single day. And the biggest thing for Eddie Heckard here is he comes to BYU looking to prove himself at that top level. Like we just mentioned, he's a three-time All-Big Sky honoree. There was nothing left for him to prove at the FCS level. He's an FCS All-American. This, this guy has proven it all at the level he was competing at. This is his opportunity at BYU to go out and flourish and play against a Power 5 schedule. He wants to make the NFL. He actually originally announced his intention to go to the NFL, and the fact that I hadn't heard of him enrolling in school until yesterday, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, led me to believe, and we had also guys like Ryan Van Wagen and say that the word was that he was going to the NFL. Him enrolling in school uh, means that he wants to prove himself, and he wants to come and lead this BYU football program into their Big 12 era. This is a really, really solid pickup for BYU. I think you can't discount how much he's going to mean to BYU. Obviously, you have one year to prove it. Uh, one of the best FCS corners out there. 48 career games at Weber with 214 total tackles, 7 interceptions, 38 pass breakups, also 6 forced fumbles. Uh, Brett Hine, who covers Weber State very, very closely, 
uh, for the standard examiner up there in Ogden said that in terms of pound for pound, he might be one of the strongest athletes Weber has ever seen and that BYU might have on the roster. I, I really, really think this is a fantastic pickup. Does Eddie Heckard have ideal size? Probably not. He's five foot 10, 190 pounds, according to what I saw on Weber State's website. So he doesn't have elite size that BYU has had traditionally. Think about uh, guys like uh, D'Angelo Mandel standing 6'1", 6'2", 190 pounds. Like, that, that, that elite length and athleticism. But what Eddie Heckard lacks maybe in a couple of inches of height, he makes up for, which is proven production on the football field. I think this is a home run get for BYU and really outside of Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins, this might be BYU's best pickup in the transfer portal cycle. And they're not done yet. I'm hearing rumblings of some defensive linemen uh, considering BYU. One from Utah State, another one from Indiana. If you really want to dig into it, you can find out the names there. Uh, There's also uh, BYU still continuing to look in the transfer portal for wide receivers. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Safeties, cornerbacks, I think are still going to be a priority for BYU. Eddie Heckard is a good start, but I think you need maybe at least one more body. Now let's also take a quick examination of what the cornerback room looks like for BYU with Eddie Heckard's addition. Obviously, Heckard, I think, is going to be penciled in as a starter from the second he shows up on campus, which he already did. I think he is one of the guys for BYU at cornerback, especially the fact that he has very, very intimate knowledge of what Jay Hill wants to run on defense. Jacob Robinson, as I mentioned, is probably BYU's most proven option outside of Heckard. Uh, Junior uh, came on strong uh, down the stretch last season. Obviously, he saved the bowl game with a fantastic form tackle of Tanner Mordecai in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, He has uh, 25 career games, 80 tackles, 4 interceptions, and 9 pass breakups. So Robinson, uh, not elite size either, a 5'11", 170 pounds, and if he's 170 pounds, guess who's 250 pounds? And I'm not 250 right now, so uh, he's a little skinnier than that, but regardless, those are probably your top two guys. Other guys in the mix, we get to more guys who have that quote-unquote elite size. Maury Bamba, many of you will recall, he was a junior college transfer coming in from Tyler Junior College last year, came in during fall camp, appeared in four games last year, kept his redshirt intact. He is six foot three, uh, somewhere around 195, 200 pounds. He is like the the walking, um, uh, I don't know, poster child for what you want at cornerback. He has got all the length, the size, and the speed you want to see. Uh, this is a guy who had uh, time to PR best 8.46 seconds, 60 meter hurdle. Uh, he actually ran track before going to play junior college football. If Maury Bamba can put it together, he, there's no reason to think that he can't emerge as a rotation piece for BYU in this defense. He's got all the size, athleticism, and the ability. It's just a matter of uh, putting that all together with the knowledge on the field and being able to compete at the level BYU is expecting him to compete at. He can be a part of that. Other guys in the mix here, Jaden Dunlap coming in from Cerritos Junior College. He was a guy I think that's been overlooked in BYU's recruiting class. Similar to a guy like Maury Bamba, got elite size, 6'1", 180 pounds. Maybe not necessarily the fastest guy in terms of a cornerback, but very good with his positioning on the football field. He knows where to be and when to be there, and that allows him to make plays. Can that translate over to the FBS slash Power 5 level? We're about all about to find out. Uh, he recorded 20 pass breakups and two interceptions in his junior college career, so pretty decent production. Uh, we're looking forward to finally seeing him uh, at BYU in spring ball as well. A lot of these guys, Eddie Heckard, obviously going to have to prove himself in spring ball. Maury Bamba, Robinson, on down the list. Now, other guys in the mix at cornerback for BYU, and there's one I think is getting completely overlooked because he actually maybe was the best of the freshman crop BYU brought in last year. Many of you might recall they signed five freshman cornerbacks last year, two of which have transferred. Nathaniel Gillis as well as Corbin Green both have transferred out of the program. I think 
Gillis has transferred to Northern Colorado. I have not heard on a destination of Corbin Green as of yet. Uh, there's, uh, we'll find out where he ultimately lands. But the guy that I think is getting overlooked in all this because I, he didn't necessarily get a lot of time but I talked with coaches on that staff last year at BYU who ranted and raved about Chika Ebunoha and his ability. This is a kid that Preston Hadley discovered when he went to see as one of his teammates in the Tucson area. Uh, Preston asked his coach, is anybody recruiting this kid? He's like, no, we haven't gotten much action for him. You, you should recruit him. Chika Ebunoha, we are got another Santa Fe going on here. But Chika Ebunoha, man, that ad keeps continuing to play on a certain website I, I pull up to look at stuff, but regardless, getting back to the point at hand, Giga Ebonoha has got the that size, the athleticism, and he actually might be one of the best athletes in BYU's defensive secondary, just pound for pound. He's just a great, great athlete. Similar to a guy like Maury Bamba, he's got time on his side, but can he develop into an option for BYU? We're going to find out. Zion Allen, also one of those freshmen who came in and stuck around the program, can he continue to develop? Guys like Caleb Christensen are still on the roster out there. Caleb Christensen was BYU's kick returner for a number of years there, and uh, we'll see if he ultimately can maybe emerge this year as a, as a cornerback option for BYU. The way I understand it for Christensen right now, he is still a walk-on to the program, if I'm not mistaken, but nonetheless, there are bodies in that cornerback room that Gennaro Guilford, their coach, their position coach, is going to have to work with. Can he get the most out of them? I would bet on it, because what Gennaro has proven time and time again during his run at BYU on this defensive staff is he has proven the ability to develop elite cornerbacks and really get the most production out of them he possibly can muster. There's a reason why Gennaro was held onto this staff after all the other position coaches and the defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, were all wiped out and knocked uh, to the, kicked to the curb, but were fired. He is a very, very dogged recruiter, and he knows what he's doing with BYU's cornerbacks. He gets a guy like Eddie Heckard. This is a home run get for BYU, and I, I, I can tell you, uh, if I'm Gennaro Guilford, I am just praise be that I have a guy like this coming into the BYU football program who A, already knows maybe more about this defense than I know as a position coach, can coach up other guys on the field, be that coach on the field quite literally in many respects, and he will from day one be well ahead of everybody else on this defense. He knows this defense inside and out, and he will be a standout, I think, for BYU. So, yeah, I, I, the the pun, the heckard, yeah, it absolutely fits here. It is a fantastic, fantastic pickup for the BYU football program. All right. Uh, a number of you sent in some questions after I recorded yesterday's podcast. I'm actually going to address those here in just a moment. We'll get to as many of them as we can. We should be able to knock out all the rest of them that came in this week. We'll get to those. Also, um, if you're looking for updates on the Santa Clara game, I'm actually recording this just before the Santa Clara game tips off. Uh, so, uh, I'll do a recap of those games, both the Santa Clara and USF games for BYU men's basketball as we go through the weekend. I just, with 9 o'clock tips, no offense folks, but I got a radio job that gets me up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm not staying up any later than I have to. So I'll obviously watch the game, but I will have a more of a recap for you guys, either on a postcast over the weekend or at least Monday for sure. We'll recap whatever happened for BYU men's basketball. But coming up here in just a minute, we'll get to more of your questions that you guys sent in after I finished yesterday's podcast. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. They are your number one source for your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis out there. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from the pro football playoffs. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming down the pipe, my friends. If you want to check out basketball, both in the college realm and the NBA, or whatever you're interested in. Uh, if you're interested in cricket, they've got it for you guys at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts as well, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. They are the fastest 
fastest and the easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more now. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and making it part of your day. I want to encourage you guys to check out our brand new podcast on the Locked On College channel that is Locked On College Basketball. They're going to be talking a lot about the major upset. I, I literally just happened uh, as I was recording. I just saw this. Uh, Gonzaga gets beat by Loyola Marymount. The sixth-ranked Zags, they've been playing with fire. They played with fire at BYU, but LMU, to their credit, went to the kennel. 75-game win streak at home for Gonzaga. Uh, it's a record uh, out there in Montana modern-day college basketball, and the LMU Lions get the win. Fantastic stuff, and they'll be covering that on college basketball. So everything you need to know about college hoops in one place. You'll hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, and, of course, that's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, questions coming in uh, this week. I got to a number of them yesterday, but a few of you slipped them in after I had recorded the podcast. I wanted to get you guys uh, caught up on this. So first one came in on our uh, YouTube uh, comments. Dirk Palmer. Dirk is a, is a regular, checks in all the time. And Dirk says, whatever happened to Andrew Heinig, a six foot six defensive lineman from, he said from Colorado, he's actually from Oklahoma, uh, Dirk, who was listed on 24-7 as a commit after signing day, but now not showing under BYU at all. Now, Dirk, I did some asking around. The way I understand is actually Andrew Heinig had his uh, scholarship offer, if it was a scholarship offer, converted to a preferred walk-on offer. And as a walk-on, you're not officially announced as BYU because you don't sign anything. You just show Show up and you're part of the program. So he is not on scholarship. He'll be one of those built bar athletes who gets money from our friends over at built bar, which we'll talk about more here in a moment. But it's a really uh, intriguing pickup because Heinig seems like have a lot of untapped potential out there, and that is what BYU's banking on with his uh, athleticism, a guy who is a track standout in the throw game. Uh, he's got a lot of traits of a guy like Blake Freeland, who obviously played a number of sports in high school before arriving at BYU. If Heinig works out, it, it's a great gamble on BYU's part. We'll see what happens, but that should answer your question, Dirk. He uh, apparently is going to be a walk-on with the BYU football program. Now, on to other questions that came in this week. Uh, first one, Jordan Kennard. Who, what has been the biggest surprise for the football team this offseason for you? And then also, what other player slash position do you think BYU will add during the next transfer portal period? Now, the biggest surprise for me is how much success of in terms of getting starting caliber guys BYU got in the transfer portal cycle that just recently completed, the 45-day window. I think the BYU made out like bandits, honestly. I, I think they got a number of high-level athletes, guys who are probably going to be penciled in as starters from the get-go here at BYU, and Eddie Heckard is just the latest in that group that are going to help bolster a lot of the positions BYU needs. That's probably my biggest takeaway, my biggest surprise for BYU. I guess another surprise for me is that Kalani Sitake finally saw the writing on the wall and made the change on his defensive staff. I had a hard time believing that he was ultimately going to do it, but Lysa Tuiaki ultimately taking the bullet and biting the bullet, I guess you should say, and stepping down necessitated those changes. I think they were coming regardless. I think there was outside pressure on Kalani to make changes. I think he realized that the defensive uh, philosophy, the overall scheme, and just the performance just was abysmal. It didn't count. So I, it didn't not it didn't count. It didn't 
work and it wasn't working and he needed to make that change. And I think Elisa helped uh, maybe make that happen by announcing his resignation. And obviously they cleaned house outside of General Guilford and now Jay Hill is in that spot. And by the way, another thing I should add, getting Jay Hill, what a coup it is for BYU to have him on campus. What a recruiter. He is out there in Hawaii getting after it, offering all kinds of guys. By the way, I still need to recap all the offers BYU has thrown out. They're throwing out offers at four-star athletes, by the way, who are committed to other programs and they're unafraid. That's the new kind of philosophy for BYU is we're power five. We are unafraid of going out and selling ourselves to elite athletes. Would that have happened two or three years ago? Probably not. BYU, I think, realized who they were and just the philosophy was different. I think now they're fully embracing. We are a power five program and we can go sell ourselves to these elite athletes and sell what we have out there. And Will it pay off? Will BYU get some of those elite athletes to commit? Only time will tell, but that's another thing about this. Jay Hill has brought a whole new philosophy to BYU, whether it's on the defensive philosophy scheme-wise, recruiting. He has uh, really helped change how BYU operates and a lot of the culture, especially around the BYU defense. All right, uh, next question coming in. There's two of them that actually match up. The Praying Pumpkin at Sports Innovation as well as Adam Evans, AG Evans, 1347. Both of you guys asked a similar question. Uh, Praying Pumpkin says, who is BYU bringing in for football strength and conditioning? And Adam Evans said, did I miss an announcement? on if a strength and conditioning coach was hired. This will be huge this offseason. Now, uh, to answer your guys' question, I- I've talked about this previously. I actually am of the opinion that I think BYU already has their strength and conditioning brain trust already on campus. And what I mean by that is Dr. Skyler Main, a guy who's been training athletes here locally in Utah, has got a doctorate in sports science. I actually think he, along with Colby Clawson, who also has a PhD, if I'm not mistaken, in sports science, both of those guys I think are going to be part of the brain trust that leads BYU strength and conditioning moving forward. They were both hired actually last offseason to come in and help uh, head up BYU's sports science department. I think they'll be working in conjunction with the three remaining uh, strength coaches. Spencer Reed, of course, uh, I believe he's the son or son-in-law of Andy Reed, Kansas City Chiefs head coach. Uh, he kind of is leading the strength and conditioning staff that was there, the three guys that were hired last offseason uh, on that strength and conditioning staff. Uh, I think Spencer Reed probably in the mix uh, to be part of that, but I wouldn't surprise me if BYU just doesn't make an announcement and we go out to spring ball and say, hey, Kalani, um, you didn't necessarily ever answer our question about what strength and conditioning was going to do. Maybe answers it at signing day. At some point, we'll be able to talk to Kalani and hopefully we'll get some insight on it. But I think the brain trust, at least the, the, the guys I think will be leading BYU strength and conditioning in terms of the overall philosophy, etc., may already be there. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that, but that is my gut feeling and my reaction to that with the fact that we have not heard an announcement uh, since both Newton Tafisi and Justin McClure were uh, fired and were asked to move along. So hopefully that answers your question, uh, Praying Pumpkin and Adam. Uh, it's very one of those interesting things out there. Now, uh, TK Brown, Trent Brown Coog also asked this question. He says, now that the transfer window is closed, is BYU focusing on any other high school prospects who have yet to sign? The one I know of, uh, there's probably other ones out there that I probably, uh, Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider is far much, uh, far more in the know than this. Uh, but LJ Martin, a four-star running back, three-star, four-star, depending on which uh, recruiting service you look at, committed to Stanford but did not sign with Stanford in the early signing period. BYU and a bevy of other high-level programs are trying to get him to sign. BYU would love to have him to pair with Aiden Robbins to head up their new running back core. Obviously, you have other guys already on that uh, in that group with Hinkley Ropati as well as Miles Davis, etc. on down the list. But LJ Martin 
if you can get an elite talent like him, you sell the farm, so to say, to get him to Provo. He's a Texas kid, obviously a high-level athlete, and if he's got the grades to go to Stanford, you can guarantee he's going to be able to get into BYU. So I think BYU, that's one I can mention to you, Trent Brown, uh, that BYU is absolutely after and would love to have him enrolled at BYU. Now, the final note here is that Ryan Cragen uh, weighed in says, Jake, I love hearing your answer to the ice cream question today on the podcast. You are the man. As always, love the Daily Cougar morsels. Keep up the great work. Well, Ryan, thank you for your support. It's always good to be talking Cougar sports, and you guys are absolutely awesome out there in Cougar Nation. Your guys' support of this podcast is absolutely incredible. I uh, got some numbers just the other day. Uh, on average, we're across YouTube and our various podcast platforms, north of 3,000 of you on a daily basis. And that doesn't mean uh, it's 3,000 of the same people every single day, because I know certain ones of you uh, check in every so often uh, as much as you can. Some of you are daily listeners and to all of you, even if you check in once a month, thank you for your support of the podcast. It it truly means the world that you guys want to check in, find out about BYU and consume what we're throwing out there. You guys are absolutely awesome. So I cannot thank you guys enough for that support. It's just, it's one of those things. It it makes me... um, I don't know, in a way, uh, feel like uh, inadequate in a way. Uh, like I've got some uh, form of, I guess, imposter syndrome because I don't necessarily consider myself to be as great as some of you uh, proclaim me to be, but it truly means the world to me that you guys think highly enough of this podcast to support it and share it with your family and friends. So I'll get off the soapbox now, but uh, thank you for the support as always. But uh, we'll move along here. I got a couple of notes before we round out this Friday edition of the podcast. We need to look back at the bowl game in 2011. So we're finished off the first season, our look back at all 155 games in BYU's independent era. BYU played their first bowl game as an independent uh, program out there. They went to Dallas to face off against Tulsa. How did it go? Well, many of you know that there was a famous uh, play call that entered the BYU lexicon after this bowl game. We'll get to that. We'll also look back uh, on how BYU women's basketball did against USF, as well as a look ahead to the other BYU sports in action this weekend. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat? I just mentioned that BYU has all these athletes getting the, uh, not all their athletes, uh, no, all their football pl- players are getting a Built Bar NIL deal. Uh, uh, scholarship players getting cash from Built Bar, but Built Bar also taking care of BYU's walk-on athletes by giving them the equivalent of their tuition money every single year for two semesters. It's absolutely marvelous, but if you want to enjoy the best tasting protein bars out there, do it with our friends at Built Bar. I- I'm serious about this. They are the best tasting protein bars that I have ever had, bar none, and pardon the pun, but I'm, I'm dead serious about that. The macros on these things are absolutely incredible. Between 130 and 150 calories, uh, 4 to 6 grams of sugar, and a whopping between 16 to 18 grams of protein packed into each one of these protein bars. You cannot find a better tasting bar that has the macros that these protein bars have. The best part is they're covered in 100% chocolate. Think about that. It's covered in 100% chocolate and still has those macros. It's absolutely phenomenal. The best part is right now you can stop into your local Smith's or Sam's Club here along the Wasatch Front or in Utah in general and pick up your Built Bars today. Uh, You can get a four-bar pack from our friends over at Smith's or a 13-bar pack if you want to stop by your local Sam's Club. And also, as always, you can still go to uh, Built.com, place your order online, and while you're there, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your your order. Once again, promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. But if you don't want to wait on the shipping to get those bars, get to your local Smith's or Sam's Club today. Get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar.
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys are absolutely masterful and awesome people out there. I just I just spent two or three minutes gushing over y'all, but uh, thank you for supporting the podcast as always. All right, uh, a couple of notes before we go out the door here. Let's first take a look back at BYU. And you know what? No, we're actually going to do this in reverse. Let's look at BYU women's basketball. They had a fantastic win on Kids Day out at the Marriott Center. Over 8,700 fans, a Marriott Center record for women's basketball, Watched BYU, uh, the BYU women's basketball team absolutely dominate San Francisco 78 to 59 Thursday afternoon. Uh, Lauren Gustin had her 18th double double of the season with a career high 27 points to go along with 19 rebounds. Oh, shucks. He didn't, she get a 20 20 for the third straight game, but she comes one rebound short. Lauren Gustin is just absolutely masterful. And the best part is Amber Whiting's squad has now won seven straight games. They're now 11 and 8, 6 and 2 in the West Coast Conference, and they're absolutely rolling right now. It, it's awesome to see what BYU is doing. And the crazy thing about this, folks, is they're doing this in a quote-unquote rebuilding year. If you look at the recruiting class that Amber Whiting has put together so far, BYU, by most metrics, is top 30 at the worst in recruiting. Uh, some have had BYU in the top 20 in the recruiting cycle for next year. So what BYU is doing right now, really rounding into form as the season progresses here, means that Amber Whiting maybe has figured some things out, and the future is extremely bright with the talent that should be coming into the program next year. So congratulations to the woman basketball team. They're going to be back in action tomorrow as they welcome Santa Clara uh, to the Marriott Center. That'll be a 2 o'clock Mountain Time tip. It will be uh, aired on BYU TV. If you want to check that out, it's also streaming on BYUtv.org as well. Other BYU teams in action this weekend. Men's tennis opens their uh, spring season with a home uh, match against Idaho State. That'll be Friday this morning at 11 a.m. Women's gymnastics in action tonight up in Boise. uh, Excuse me, they host Boise State. Uh, Excuse me, I've screwed that up. They're going to be at the Marriott Center hosting Boise State on BYU TV. It's a 7 o'clock here on a Friday night if you want to tune into that. Men's volleyball is going to be hosting the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights at the Smithfield House tomorrow night and tonight. Uh, both 7 o'clock starts on both of those matches. Tonight's is streaming on BYU TV while the women's uh, gymnastics squad uh, takes over BYU TV on the linear uh, channel out there. As mentioned, BYU basketball in action as I record this podcast against Santa Clara. They'll be making the short trip over to USF to take on the Dons. That'll be a 6 o'clock tip mountain time out there at War Memorial Gym. 5 o'clock uh, uh, Pacific time. It's also going to be on CBS Sports Network tomorrow evening if you want to tune into that. A big opportunity uh, for BYU men's basketball to get some big wins. These are two teams, USF and Santa Clara that could really make or break a BYU's chances of doing something down the stretch here in the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga looks human in many respects. The fact that LMU went in to the kennel and beat the Gonzaga Bulldogs, that means that it's like it's like Rocky Four in a way. They are human. They bleed. And BYU had a chance to knock them off, couldn't seal the deal. Uh, but now uh, LMU has done it. They went on the road and beat uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is vulnerable for the first time in many, many years. Does that mean that somebody's going to knock them off ultimately and really take over being the big dog in the conference? Probably not. Uh, I think Gonzaga is still far and away the favorite. But they are beatable. And that should make uh, for some opportunities here down the stretch. But BYU got to take care of their business against programs like Santa Clara, USF, uh, St. Mary's. There's a very, very tough closing stretch over the final, I think, 10 games here for BYU. And they've got to take care of business if they want to be a player in the West Coast Conference. All right. 
Final thing before we go out the door. We've been looking back at all 155 games in BYU's independent era. We're closing out the first season, the first of 12 seasons of BYU football as an independent program. BYU is playing in the Armed Forces Bowl, the Bell Helicopter Armed Forces Bowl, uh, down there in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And BYU's facing off against the Tulsa Hurricanes. BYU entered the game 9-3. and Tulsa was 8-4. and So a fairly evenly uh, matched uh, game here. And G.J. Kinney was actually the uh, now the head coach of Texas State was the starting quarterback uh, for Tulsa in this game. He ended up having three touchdown passes of his own in this game, going 17 of 31 for 214 yards, but it was not enough, as many of you know, as BYU won this game 24 to 21. Got off to a slow start, uh, couldn't get out of their own way. Riley Nelson actually threw two interceptions, but he did have a hat trick of touchdown passes that went to Riley, uh, not Riley Nelson, to Riley Nelson, no, Riley Nelson to Cody Hoffman. Now, I mentioned before, uh, when I tease this a little bit, there was a famous play that was kind of entered the BYU lexicon after this game. Well, after the game, uh, many of you will recall the final touchdown went up for BYU in the final seconds of this game. BYU went up to the line near the red near the end zone, and you looked like they were going to spike the ball to stop the clock. Well, Riley Nelson actually kind of motioned like an audible to Cody Hoffman, uh, fakes the spike, and then tosses up a fade route that Cody Hoffman hauled in for a touchdown, and it was absolutely a crazy play. And after the game, Riley Jensen, uh, Riley, Riley Jensen, Riley Nelson said the play call was red alert and uh, Bronco Mendenhall who was the head coach at the time confirmed that said they actually hadn't practiced the play in a number of months but it was still in the playbook and uh, it was a play that Riley uh, Nelson noticed the fact that Tulsa was kind of taking it easy taking a break and he said you know what we can catch him sleeping here they absolutely did Cody Hoffman finished the game eight receptions 122 yards Riley Nelson uh, 17 of 40 passing so below 50 percent completion percentage had 250 yards passing like I mentioned the three touchdowns all of them going to Cody Hoffman as well as the two interceptions. But BYU gets the win and caps their first season as an independent program at 10-3. and A very, very good season, all things considered. Uh, BYU, I think in 2011, my overall takeaway is that it's one of the more underrated seasons in BYU's independent era. Was the schedule as stout as it would be in future uh, campaigns? Absolutely not. But when you win 10 games, you never throw that back. It's a very, very important thing. And BYU uh, never, obviously, was going to throw that back. The biggest thing for BYU is that they had a they had an opportunity to cap their season the right way, and they did just that. Was it easy? No. Was it pretty? Not really. The The red alert play on its own was fantastic, and I'm going to post a lot of this stuff. I've been doing it with every game we've recapped so far on our Instagram page, so go search out Locked On Cougars on Instagram if you want more on this. We'll actually probably I'll pull the play off YouTube and post it on Instagram, uh, but uh, like I said, I've said this before, uh, ESPN apparently likes to DMCA on YouTube, so if I post that play on this, it gets flagged and it causes all kinds of issues. So I'm doing it on on uh, Instagram. So if you want to see that play, go follow our Instagram feed, Locked On Cougars, and you can see that there. But uh, it was just a, it was a great play, a great win for BYU, and it obviously uh, pretended uh, some decent things to come. Obviously, after the season, we all know that Riley, uh, not Riley Nelson, Riley Nelson was the guy at quarterback for BYU. But him establishing himself as BYU starting quarterback meant that Jake Heaps was on his way out the door, ultimately entering the uh, transfer. Transferring, going, it wasn't the transfer portal then, but he transfers, goes to Kansas, uh, doesn't do much at Kansas either, spends a season or two, if I'm, if I, no, one season at Miami, uh, and Heaps uh, just never developed into what we thought he might have been in that 2010 season and obviously early on in the t- uh, 2011 season. But uh, Riley Nelson, 
was the guy for BYU. Cody Hoffman was a stud at wide receiver. Ross Oppo, very, very dependable receiver in his own right. There were a lot of good things going for BYU as they went into 2012. 2012? 2012 overall. And we'll start breaking that down on Monday's edition of the podcast. So that's a little tease for you guys to get ready for next week. We begin to look back at the 2012 season. And obviously, BYU finishes this uh, 2010 season, I think, ranked 25th in the, in the polls. So a top 25 ranked season, obviously, you take that and BYU looks towards the future. And we'll talk about that on Monday. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. As I mentioned, we'll do a full recap of BYU basketball on Monday as well uh, if we don't get to a postcast over the weekend. So thank you for your support as always. want to encourage you guys now to go make your second listen. Our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast, hey, you're going to see a familiar face. That'd be mine. We did a roundtable edition of the podcast talking a lot of hot topics in the Big 12. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also check it out on YouTube. Until Monday or maybe some point over the weekend, have a great one, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.